0: Hello, I'm Emma-Jane Purcell and welcome back to Fail Harder, the podcast where I chat to people at the top of their game about failure, from their first memory of failure to how they cope with it now. So before I introduce my guest, I'd just like to take a second to talk about the UX Design Institute, who are the sponsors of this podcast. UX or User Experience Design is barely noticeable, so basically if a website or an app is easy to use, then it has been properly designed. The UX Design Institute offers university credit rated courses in UX that are delivered by industry professionals who are helping people to get ready to work in UX and not just teaching theory. For more information, visit uxdesigninstitute.com forward slash fail. My guest on the podcast today is the incredible Daniela Moyles.
1: I think we are never told to trust ourselves you know we're told to trust all the messages we're given all and we're bombarded with messages you know it's like everyone else knows how to live for us everyone else has prescribed the path there's this benchmark and that benchmark and this is what success looks like and this is what contentment looks like and if you do this everything will be fine none of us know what the fuck we're doing that is such bullshit we're on a rock spinning around in infinity like even in our best attempts we don't know what's going on here Mm. so I really feel like okay maybe that that safe prescribed path will work for the majority and that's brilliant and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that if you genuinely find contentment and fulfillment and peace in that but you know for some people that's not the way and I just don't think the messages out there um are given to us enough when we're growing up to really trust ourselves
0: at 26, Daniela was working as a highly successful presenter, model, and influencer when she got totally burnt out and decided to quit it all to travel the world. During this time, Daniela began writing her first book, Jump, a non-fiction memoir, which she released in June. Jump has been the number one bestseller in the country for the last month. But Daniela is not here to talk about success, she's here to talk about failure. Daniela. Hi. Hi. I'm great you're very welcome to Fail Harder.
1: Hi thanks for having me.
0: I'm delighted to have you I was just saying I am obsessed with jump like it's so good it's just like probably one of the most honest things I think I've ever read like it's not even trying to be honest you just are like you just know that you're just not holding back and it's just like oh it's so good like I cried at the bit about your cousin like I was devastated and just like everything that you've done you just kind of put it out on the table and yeah I just think it was amazing so well done. thank
1: you yeah that was kind of the the whole purpose of it was well I think I'd been away from Ireland for a couple of years so I had that sense of disconnect and kind of anonymity mm. that I mean, kind of right in a way that I don't think I would have been able to if I was just in the thick of it here because you're kind of shrouded in Expectation and judgment and just all of those things that kind of hinder us day to day. So it was probably just a perfect combination of things that allowed it to happen. But also, it kind of felt a bit like nothing without the honesty. It just felt like a a, a, a lovely a, like a, a lovely guide to a lovely life. Do you know? Like, Because mm, yeah. <laughs> actually, when I went to write it, I I pitched it originally as travel guides, as a series of travel guides, and it oh yeah, it was crazy. Very happy, like. It emerged out of this, like, mad kind of um, self-conscious attempt at writing something and then just blossomed into this, like, very vulnerable memoir, which is um, a far cry from where it started. But interesting, that, yeah. like, you got permission, you know?
0: Mm, I'm wondering, were you, like, were you nervous putting it out, like, into the world when you had it all down and then it was, like, free for everybody to read? Did you feel nervous about that or how was it? Was- it?
1: In process at that point when the book was written and I'd gone through the process of of kind of living with it for a year and drafting it and editing it and all of that. By the time it actually came to be released, I had totally made my peace with it. I was mm. ready for every reaction. I was ready ready for indifference. I was ready for a total flop. I was ready for negativity. I was ready for everything except for praise, which mm. is, I then had to like deal with the discomfort of this kind of book that was getting praised. Um, but actually, the the hardest part was writing it. So there would be days where I would sit and write, like say a particularly challenging chapter was the one about my dad. Mm -hmm. And like, that took me months, you know, like I would draft it and I'd have to, I would have to fully lie to myself and go, no one is ever reading that. And I'd have to close Mm -hmm. it and maybe walk away for like three days. And then I'd come back and go, oh, obviously no one's ever reading that because it's so cringe. Um, But I had to write with that mindset. So actually the nerves and all of the challenging emotions and all of the kind of Ups and downs happen during the writing process, and then by the time hmm. it was released, you've kind of made your peace with it all. And it's then you're looking at people reacting to it, and you're like, "What?" It kind of feels disconnected from you. I know, you
0: but let me just explain the format before I begin, very quickly. Before we begin, so I have twenty questions in front of me, numbered at random. Most are straightforward, however, some are a little unconventional. And in the spirit of failure and trying to assert control over what life might throw at us, you okay. can guess the numbers.
1: Okay. Well, my look number is four. So, number four story. okay now, Pick total by the way huh how many total do I get to pick
0: um it depends on how long this goes for sometimes like I get through like two questions sometimes I get through more <laughs> uh, okay so number four what is your earliest memory of failure nice one to start on oh
1: okay my earliest memory of failure I could go for a really, really early on one when I was like super young that I think is is that I probably internalized as failure when it had nothing to do with me. Mm. Or I could go for one when I was slightly older. That was actually my first experience of like truly failing because of my my own mindset you know I contributed to the failing which would you rather or both
0: oh I kind of I, option number two I'm intrigued by option number
1: two number one is actually in the book, so I feel like it's kind of been out there like I think I interpreted my mum's sickness as my failing mm. and I write about that in the book um and that was probably my earliest memory of of not feeling like I had control over things going right but the second one is a good choice because I think it's more interesting mm. um when I was in school I was like I was such a brat like I was just always in trouble and getting we had this docket system and if you got three dockets you got a suspension if you got three suspensions you got a suspension or detentions and then you got a suspension um and so I applied to fourth year and I wasn't allowed in on account of being just so unruly and they were like why would we (laughs) fourth year you're going to be a nightmare so I had to go from third to fifth year and basically I had to move into a year where I just didn't know any of the girls Mm. they were older than me I thought they were really intimidating Um, I was just rattled I was really nervous and there was about 10 of us from third year moving into fifth year and we were all diluted in amongst the class so when you'd walk into a room like school didn't feel familiar anymore and you didn't know your place like I'd always known the girl I'd sit beside. I'd always known the seat I was in or the locker I'd go to. And now everything was all shook up. Mm. And I remember so distinctly the feeling of walking into like probably one of my first English classes of fifth year and sitting down. And already I had this narrative in my head of like, oh God, I shouldn't sit here. I've taken someone's seat. This girl doesn't want to sit beside me. She's like, why are you there? And I'm like telling myself this whole story in my head. So I'm already like sweating just because I've sat down. Um, And halfway through the class, the teacher picks me without, like, I'm definitely buried, like trying to take as little space as possible. She picks me without any contribution on my part to read, to read uh, whatever book we were, like, Macbeth or whatever we were reading that day, right? So... My heart is like jumping out of my chest. Like I I cannot breathe. So I start to read this book, and I must have gotten about two lines in when you know that really embarrassing shake in your voice just goes to utter yeah.
0: oh, oh it's the worst.
1: <laughs> I'm in front of a room of like 30 girls I don't know. I'm I'm reading aloud, sounding like I'm just like the most nervous human being in the world. And then I get to one point where I just utterly ran out of breath and I go, <gasps> and then I go, I'm really sorry. I can't. And <laughs> the whole room is just calling with the, with the just utter cringe and embarrassment of it. Mm. Um, and that was such, it was, it was such an embarrassing moment for me that I still so I'm like 32 now and I still remember if somebody asks me to like read at their wedding, to do like a prayer of the whatever, or like I, I still can't do it. In fact, reading my audiobook, I said to the guy, I was like, just please don't look at me. Like really? i really It's funny, I do work on it now and it and and it's it like only gets me half the time, but it was such a triggering failure. It felt like such a humiliation. <laughs> it still stays with me sometimes, even though I was like a presenter and I was on yeah, radio. How did
0: you find that on radio then? I mean, yeah. like having that fear.
1: It's funny. I think sometimes the things we fear most is the things that we'll end up kind of um, decorating ourselves with. Because I, I, I would be a little bit um, like nervy, do you know, a little bit introverted, probably like most of us were all like a bit introverted, a bit extroverted. Mm. Uh, People assume you're probably very extroverted if you worked on TV and radio, but a lot of people I met who worked in media are really introverted and quite shy and definitely have like a, a kind of a, um, a professional persona that they have. That's not necessarily them. So I feel like you're, you're kind of able to mask it or put it on. And it feels like, it feels like you're, you're overcoming that fear. But when you go back into yourself, that fear is still there so it's like an interesting way of like it's kind of like a paradox doesn't really make sense like you're able to MC an event or present on tv or or present a radio show but it's all very impersonal it's not necessarily you when yeah. it comes to like being yourself I, st- I still think it sometimes can get you,
0: you, do you. Do you have any interest in going back into that world at all I actually want to ask you in going back to doing any presenting or anything like that?
1: Um, probably not in the way that I was mm. you no know, No, no, probably like definitely not in the way that I I did it for a decade. I don't feel like it's any loss. You know, I feel like I I loved every minute of it. I I feel like no one can take the skills from you that you built during that time. And so I get that question a lot about like leaving your career, but it never felt like leaving to me. Like no one can take that from me. No one can take the, the uh, skills I built or the time I spent or the, um accomplishments that you get, you know, doing the job that you get or that you were doing. So I felt really happy with where I'd gotten to with that. And I also felt very like aware of the fact that I was ready to leave and I was okay. I yeah. wanted to honor that as opposed to be afraid of it. So I don't have any I'm not harboring any like secret desires to go back to that at all. Mm. But again, it, it would be nice to take that skill set and use it in a new way. Like yeah. so start you know, a
0: podcast
1: it <laughs> exactly. or like to you know maybe eventually uh present a really useful documentary or something that's um purposeful and feels progressive but I don't mm. going back to like um commercial presenting or like you know saying McDonald's making mornings tastier every day because yeah.
0: I actually thought that that was really um interesting in your book because obviously your career was on such a level and I thought it was like a really freeing moment when you just kind of you did just like, I want to do this traveling thing, I want to go and and I just thought that like you did it, you followed that instinct, and then it led to like the most incredible life changing thing that you did, basically
1: yeah, I really, really believe in following those threads of intuition and joy, and mm. um, even more so, if they feel unconventional or like they go against the grain i tr- like i just push that agenda probably a little bit too much when it like, <laughs> like it's not necessary like everyone has to be have the right to make their own choice right yeah but um, I just feel like we'll be dead long enough do you know like every day you're closer like how many summers how many good quality summers do we have left like I'm 32 if I get like 40 good quality summers left ah. how, how many how many 40 40 seasons to do something epic in the summer do you know yeah. so I always because I think my cousin died when I was young, and I got such a a huge wake up call for how quickly and permanently life is gone mm. um just it i remember it like sinking into my cells like it was it was the most profound life change i've ever had um and it stayed with me like violently ever since and it and it I, it screams at me all the time, so whenever I feel like I've come to a natural end. I I try really hard not to, not to maintain that attachment for security or for fear because fuck that. Like, you know, I want, even if, even if I make a choice and it's not the exact outcome I thought, there is no right and wrong. It's just a different set of outcomes. It's just a different road. And in that you can find a way to still make that fun or passionate or, exciting. And what's definitely not going to be any of those things is what you already know and and, yeah. and will always know, do you know? So I feel like it was really, you know, I was always excited about my career up until I wasn't anymore. And yeah. as soon as I wasn't, I was like, that's it right. done. And it's been, you know, I, I, I'm sure it's a subjective experience for everyone, but it, it really confirmed for me to continue living like that because it wasn't always pretty, and it wasn't always easy, and it wasn't always nice. But my God, would I change a thing? Never, like never. It's, it's such a more exciting, rich, colourful kaleidoscope of a life, and I, I want to go out knowing I did that, yeah. rather than, you know, whatever. I won't have a pension, and that's. Probably yeah, I terrible. thought
0: that. I thought that I was like that girl has lived. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like yeah no I feel like people have lived much more than me <laughs> I'm definitely not like you know claiming I've done anything absolutely mad I haven't at all um I for a while but um yeah I, I I try to live that way and I think it's a it's uh for me it's it makes me happy so yeah,
0: yeah. let's move on to the next number because I get so much sidetracked <laughs> what
1: number would you like can I just be like Everything go against everything I've just said and be really predictable and boring and say fourteen because I just love the number four.
0: Number fourteen. Okay, okay this is a spelling question. Ah, oh, yeah, I'm gonna fail at like this. Everybody fails, apart from okay. maybe India Mullen. Anyways, um, okay, spell sacrilegious.
1: S A C, or E L I G I O U S. No. <laughs> I literally just spelled it phonetically. <laughs> religious. What the <did laughs> way you
0: spell it? It's S-A-C-R-I-L-E-G-I-O-U-S.
1: Oh, so religious is spelled weird.
0: Yeah, it's R-I-L-E-G. Yeah. Tricky Rel-
1: word. Phonetic.
0: Tricky, tricky.
1: <laughs> I, I should have guessed that you were going to not do something phonetic. Yeah,
0: I'm but too. look, you gave it a good attempt. Right, All <laughs> right, what number would you like next?
1: Um, I've one to twenty. Is it
0: number one? Uh, one to twenty. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, why not number one? Let's go from one.
0: Okay. Number one. How do you cope with failure?
1: I think I expect it. I don't. I don't think it. Um, I don't think it's. It's. Uh, I don't think it shocks me. And I don't mm. think. Um, yeah I expect failure i think it's part and parcel of life i think life isn't is a relentless stream of challenges and failure yes. with, lots of, with lots of you know nice moments in between but, you know i think it's funny we all well it seems that a lot of modern life is about being very comfortable and optimizing comfort you know and feeling like there shouldn't be challenges there should, we're all hard done by when there's challenges or failure but I don't know. I never came from that mindset. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. So mm-hmm. I think there has always been a very natural, maybe because my mom was sick, or I never really got that kind of embedded comfort. I had a really troublesome relationship. My dad, my mom was very unwell, and I think I was used to not necessarily crazy hardships or anything like that, but um, less. Less comfort all the time, um, and failing just felt like part of part of a normal life. Mm. So that that might have been a gift in a, in a weird way because um, I think it would be really hard to live with a feel of fa- a fear of failure. It's just such an implicit part of the human condition. Like it is inevitable on repeat for your entire lifetime. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I think having the skills to cope the resilience to overcome the self compassion to forgive yourself um all of those things are so much more important than buffering failure because what a boring life like what a
0: yeah.
1: boring, like all my best lessons have been from totally fucking up like mm-hmm. i would never have i would be such a shit person if i hadn't messed up because it's the only time when you're going to grow because you'll go god i really hurt me or i hurt them yeah. and not awful. Like maybe some pe- other people have better insights so they don't have to do that. But I also think that's it's a part of the human condition to kind of um to, I think it, it yeah. I think it's yeah. it goes hand in hand with, with great growth and I think it's really inevitable. And um I hope I'm never scared of it. Yeah. I hope I never find something so precious that I'm scared of it.
0: I definitely took like sorry I keep talking about your book but anyways <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I know you
1: so well from it.
0: Um but you know, you kind of talk about like tackling fear and, you know, doing what you're scared of and how that can like basically transcends your life. I just thought that that was really um, important kind of to read. Like I would say that, you know, I'm kind of 50-50 on that. Like I'll push through fear, but then there's that wall. They're like, oh no, I don't want to do it because what if like, you know, I look like an idiot or it doesn't work out or whatever. And you just kind of seem that second half of your book, you just seem to kind of push through that the whole time, which. Thanks.
1: Mm. Yeah, I feel like, um, I'd never thought about it before that, before I went traveling. Um, but when you come face to face with like really debilitating periods of anxiety or depression, I think it's, it's the optimum emotion to describe it is fear. Like you just live yeah. in state of fear, that you're brought face to face with this emotion that you might necessarily have greeted so regularly all the time. And while you might label it fear, you can label it a million other things. You can label it, you know, um, feeling off, feeling overwhelmed, feeling, I think it's rooted in fear. It's rooted in a sense of feeling like you can't control yourself or what's happening around you. And that's just such an innately fearful thing for a human. Um, That when I went traveling and I was trying to kind of remedy this myself it became this really obvious route um no don't get me wrong that took me ages to figure out and I spent months just numbing myself in every possible way mm. before I kind of realized that that also wasn't going to be the answer um and I started to try like examining fear um and trying to come face to face with it as often as possible to see how much it limited me and then I started to get really pissed off about how much it was limiting me. Like because it was this kind of new way of living. Like when you're in your normal day-to-day routine, normal day-to-day life, you're not necessarily for having fearful situations happening all yeah. the time. You know, you're you're in your routine and okay, the odd little thing might happen that will peak the heart rate every now and again, but it's it's generally a familiar safe kind of day-to-day existence. Whereas when I was traveling, I was greeting fear constantly that it yeah. became- <laughs> obvious that like it was the thing I could completely not examined and it was really limiting me all the time and it was limiting me in ways that didn't make sense for instance when I first tried to do a bungee jump I was so scared that I vomited right Mm. but like a couple of days earlier I had done um a tandem paraglide and so in my head I was like well is this a fear of heights because if it is a fear of heights why is it applicable to one situation and not the other or is this is this a fear of some imaginary story I'm telling myself? And the more I kind of examined it, the more I realized it is always an imaginary story. You're always trying to predict what is on the other side of the thing you're scared of. And it's generally totally wrong. And that's what I kept discovering when I was like knocking on the door of it. um, And I realized how much it was really limiting my experience of this really short life. And I was just having none of that. Yeah, (laughs) I just don't want to look back and go, this emotion, this like transient emotion that's based in nothing, but sometimes total fabrication stories that we tell ourselves is actually limiting the reality of my life. And I was Mm. like, no, no. So, um, that was really a great unexpected gift from, from all of that time. Yeah.
0: Like even, I I don't think most people who had you know, uh, for anyone who hasn't read the book, you went to Thailand when you were much younger and then you got really, really sick from dengue fever, wasn't it? And like super, super unwell. And I would say that most people would just be like, never again. Um, and just, I think like pushing that boundary again and, you know, not being afraid um, to just go and live your life and uh, see what comes out of it is like really something to admire like did you think actually I wanted to ask you if you got dengue fever again would you
1: actually die <sighs> well that's kind of what they said to me uh, i don't know so there's four different strains and so i know lots of people who've had it and didn't have anything like what i had i got really unlucky i got a really bad one um so i got dengue hemorrhagic fever which is where your body starts to hemorrhage mm. Um, that that's the one that can kill you, because um, you're hemorrhaging, and that's not great. And um, now, generally, if you're like young and fit and healthy, your body's usually able able to overcome it. But um, so I had like all my hair fell out afterwards. It was just this systemic just nightmare for my body. Um, and I don't know. I never followed up on this statement, but. Basically, I was told like there's not that many studies uh, of people who've had dengue hemorrhagic fever twice because it's just such an assault on like your major organs, like your yeah. liver. You know, just you don't you don't want to be doing that twice. And um, so when I when I got it, I I didn't really travel for about a decade. Well, I travelled a little bit in Europe, like places that I felt were safe, and I was really 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 scared. Would I? I, I travel to places with dengue all the time now, and I don't think about it. Because I kind of tell myself, okay, well, if I get it again, maybe I'll get another strain that isn't the hemorrhagic one. <laughs> right? I feel like, you know, even if I was to get it at all, it's probably not great. I just, yeah. what, like, what do I do? Just lock yourself up in Ireland yeah. just forever and ever and ever. It was just... Most people would. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I was really young, you know? I was only like 21. That's a, life, yeah. that's a long life of, yeah. of not going anywhere.
0: Or your friend's like, what are you doing? <laughs>
1: Everybody was like, what are you doing? Yeah, really counterintuitive thing to do at the time because there was just so many factors that made it seem really um, unnecessary.
0: Mm. But again,
1: like, as I said, it's like following that little spark of intuition. it's, It's, I think we are never told to trust ourselves. You know, we're told to trust all the messages we're given all and we're bombarded with fucking messages. you know? It's like everyone else knows how to live for us. Everyone else has prescribed the path. There's this benchmark and that benchmark, and this is what success lo- looks like. And this is what contentment looks like. And if you do this, everything will be fine. None of us know what the fuck we're doing. That is such bullshit. We're on a rock spinning around in infinity. Like even in our best attempts, we don't know what's going on here. Hmm. So I really, feel like okay maybe that that safe prescribed path will work for the majority and that's brilliant and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that if you genuinely find contentment and fulfillment and peace in that but you know for some people that's not the way and I just don't think the messages out there um are given to us enough when we're growing up to really trust ourselves like we we have millennia of wisdom in our bodies like evolution is a powerful thing um and we all come with our own internal roadmaps and our own internal um, frameworks and our own like unique script. And isn't that the whole point of being here? So like, I try to just listen to those threads of intuition and especially if they feel like joy, especially mm. if they feel like even potential joy, like, yeah, I don't know. You can always go back. You can always default back to the thing that's been prescribed. Yeah. Like that's You're there. So right. that's there yeah does that mean um, does you, do you
0: still get little kind of would you get kind of bouts of doubt in that though or like anxiety of oh shit maybe I should be doing what other people are doing or would you say now in your life are you at a place where you are totally comfortable with your own path
1: god can anyone say that um, <laughs> I don't. Think that, yeah, like imagine I said. So that's Crazy. No, I I don't believe in that kind of like even dogma language. You know, like mm. I have no one has it figured out. Nobody. But what I do think I've cultivated is a very healthy relationship with anxiety, and and a, a fairly directive self awareness. So when I get anxiety now. I, I use it kind of like a marker. Like I'll take a step back and take a breath and I won't spiral down the kind of, um, attempts to get out of the discomfort of it or to resist it. I'll just sit with it and be like, well, where is this coming from and try and maybe figure sometimes I just drank too much coffee. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Mm. Other times it's like, Oh wait, I am actually a little bit uncomfortable in this situation or people are gossiping and it's just not my vibe. And I'll just listen to myself and just pull away from it. Um, but I, I don't have anything figured out. But what I do mm. think I have is a, is a, a, a much stronger sense of self awareness, a much better mind body connection. So, like I can, uh, the feelings that I feel will direct my mind, and like and vice versa, um, which I think was totally connect uh, disconnected before, and probably has to be to get to such a debilitating point with anxiety. Because if you had that connection, you'd probably catch it a little earlier mm. rather than so oblivious um, and also probably a sense of trust like I I trust myself I really do like I trust in my ability to make the best decision for me to do the right thing um by my own values um, and to be able to manage no matter what outcome that brings and whether or not that outcome is something that's been tried and tested by loads and loads of people before I just know I'll be okay mm. um, and that's, that's really, that's a really great place to get to. But does it mean you've got anything, everything figured out? No. Does no. it mean like you don't have self-doubt? Sometimes, sometimes I, I still would. Like sometimes I would still get small bouts of that. But yeah, I think your decision-making comes from an authentic place. So it's, it doesn't linger in a way, it doesn't erode away at you. Yeah. You know, it's like, so for instance, I'm 32 next month um, and it just came to me like, Ding, in the last uh, like year, that like I really would love to have a family. Yeah, and I, I'm probably a little bit later to that than some of my friends. Now, does that like cripple me or make me feel like oh I need to change everything I'm doing? No, but you know, I I I, I would because of that self awareness, I might make slightly altered decisions now to lead me to that path, you know, or to mm. to to incorporate that desire into my future. Do you know?
0: Yeah. Do you make Sorry, that was a weird time. Uh, do do you make long term plans now for yourself? Like, would you say like this is where I want to be? Like, this is what I want to be doing in ten years time, or are you more kind of short term?
1: Um, I definitely am in the middle. So, mm. in like five years time, plan- <laughs> yeah, five. Um, All <laughs> planning is. I mean, like it's, it's total imagination, right? Like none of us have any control over what's going to happen. And, so and any sense that we do is just a total illusion. And <laughs> that's, you know, that really works sometimes, but when, when it's then upended, it's just really, I think, disconcerting, um, and, you know, it can, it can be a real struggle. So I, I think I try to make assertive action in the direction that I'd like to go without attaching to an outcome. Yeah. So I, I'll plan, but in a vague way. So like, say, you know, I, I went back to college because I knew I wanted to start moving my career in a certain direction, but I'm not bound to the outcome and it's not rigid at all. Um, or say it's, I'll start to think, well, I'd love to... Sp- start thinking about having a family and I'll start to maybe date a little bit more with that in mind and be like, be less drawn to the fuck boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be more aware of the red flag. A good and stable I'm, man. Yeah, like, you know, I'll be like looking for a guy with a bit of road frontage, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, it just kind of alters the, um so I'm not attached or bound to the outcome is what I try to you know I I yes. I bridge it so but I would just start making assertive actions in those directions without without being bound to that outcome and I think sometimes that's where a lot of suffering can come from is when you um put all your eggs or expectations into this imagined future that then doesn't manifest and it can be um it can be difficult to kind of accept that yeah it's only imaginary anyway you know yeah
0: expectations versus reality like i am the the queen of making plans and expectations and then when they don't work out exactly how i how i want i'm like oh devastated and i'm like really have to push myself to like not make these plans and build these scenarios up in my head because like even for example 2020, like all of the things that like anybody on the planet had planned, is yeah. just like gone to absolute shit. Like I'm currently back in Tipperary, and I moved to London in January. <laughs>
1: it's like, what is life? Like the biggest, um it's been equal parts so horrendous, so tragic, and so <laughs> enlightening. Like. There's been so much lessons I'd say globally learned this year. Um, I, everyone had no choice but to surrender, to surrender control, to surrender to like just the most unexpected life upheaval that like we, we, none of us have seen anything like this in a lifetime, you know, mm. and, um, and hopefully we never will again. But um, I think there was a huge amount of learning to be, to be taken from, yeah. from this whole thing. Um, I personally loved it. Like loved the change of pace, loved the permission to really slow down. And I think in Ireland, um, it was managed quite well as the, on on the whole. Yeah. And while there was, you know, there was definitely our fair share of witnessing some tragic events during the pandemic. I think we managed to kind of navigate it in a way that kept you know, our number is relatively manageable and our experience of it relative to the rest of the world quite, um what's the word I'm looking for?
0: A bit less traumatic.
1: Yeah, like I think we were just, we were sheltered a little bit of what bit. it could have been. Mm. And so it's kind of like a lesson in sitting with yourself more than anything, or just slowing down or stopping or reevaluating the way, the ways we normally live and those types of things, rather than dealing with, you know, uh, um, just loads and loads of people around us being ill. I I certainly didn't experience that. I don't know if you yeah. did. But, you know, it was just a very different experience here. I think, um, and I really, I enjoyed a lot of what I gained from it. Which sounds not like to say.
0: I would say I would say nearly everybody, nearly everybody, not everybody though, would have a lot a lot of positives that they would take out of the time and just even just being like a young person and um, just the way we've kind of grown up to like chase career, chase this, chase that. And then it's all just like, you no, know, we can't do that for a while. And everything is so uncertain for everybody. And it has, it has just forced us, like really forced us to just slow down and like, and just stop the rat race a bit. And I think that that's been like really important for young people to have that kind of experience of being at home and I don't know being out in the garden and making banana bread or whatever it is that people are doing it's been yeah it's been an important time for that I think
1: yeah definitely Mm -hmm. definitely I I feel like I gained a lot of um intro like introspective time and a lot of perspective and just a time I know I look back on and treasure like even just oh yeah family in a way that I just hadn't done in years. Like I remember getting to ask my dad, I looked up, I had just so much time in my hands. I looked up these 40 questions you should ask your parents before they die. (laughs) Very morbid, loved it. Went out into the garden and sat with my dad while he was gardening. And it was one of the most moving and endearing moments I've had with my dad in like, I I couldn't believe, I know this man 31 years and I know there was so much to learn. Mm. And it was lovely to get to know him in that way. And I would never have had that without this pandemic. Never. Yeah. No, no, so treasure. true. I don't know I'll treasure that moment like forever. Mm.
0: Right. Well, we move on to the next number because I'm conscious that you don't have that much time.
1: <laughs> oh, what number would you like? Because I've gone for both fours and I've gone for one, I'm going to go for 20. Number go
0: 20. Over. Okay. What part of failure is impossible to put a positive spin on?
1: Oh that's a re- i find that so tough because i would really pride myself on being a glass half full person
0: mm is there that and, that kind of moment though you know of there's just it's just too shit <laughs> you know it's just god i mean you don't have to you don't have to say yes you can you can totally disagree no i
1: mean of course like when when i think about it, you know there there's so many scenarios where things are just unfathomably shit. Like Mm. I've definitely experienced that personally. And when I think about something globally, like there is so many times when you could look at something and say that is beyond, uh, you, 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 like there's no way of finding a positive in that but maybe it's just my personality or my mindset or whatever like have you read um what's that book called a man's search for meaning mm-hmm. victor e frankel no i haven't okay, so actually read it read, um, victor e frankel and he he loses everything he loses his wife loses his family he's put into Auschwitz concentration camp um, and on his way in, his life's work is taken from him. Uh, he was um, a psychotherapist, or he de- he developed a, a therapy modality, um, and he was writing it. And basically, they they took all his literature, as they they took everything. And he lived in just utter, like the most desolate, hopeless, deprived human conditions for years on end, watching people be gassed to death or die of just the most inhumane treatment Uh um and still he maintained in this book and in his in his therapy modality that one of the ways that we can find meaning is in our suffering um and in our in our hardships so i just really subscribe to that Mindset, and and I I don't ever want that to change. I think it's because it's such an implicit, guaranteed part of life. I think if you do come to failure with the notion that sometimes there is just a situation where there is no good in this, not even a glimmer, not even a sparkle of of something good, I just I would just disagree with that. Mm. I think it's somebody who's lived through the the worst of human history. Can can still come out of it, um, can survive it, and then write a book that this many years later is still relevant. I just I do I don't believe that there is a scenario where where there is no meaning to be found, even in the worst suffering. I think there's always, I think the universe, whatever you want to call it, whatever this big bundle of just crazy atoms and energy swirling around in different forms is I think it's got intelligence beyond what we can are even capable of thinking we can understand we've got senses and we're so limited in what we know um but I think it's just symbiotically perfectly formed and and all of it in its madness and its chaos makes sense do you know Yeah. yeah so I try to I try to keep that mindset even in the worst of the worst. I think there's still meaning to be found, and if and if there is somebody who's struggling with that mindset, that's a great book, A Man Search for Meaning. A Man Search for Meaning. So, Victor E. Frankl. It's such a brilliant way to approach that mindset of sometimes things are just too shit because he presents that story in a way that you cannot argue with it. That mm. he the worst experiences a human can possibly have and still finds such incredible resilience, such, such absolute meaning and purpose. And, um, he, he makes the argument really strongly against that statement. So yeah. I will leave that to him, but I, I would subscribe to his, to his mindset.
0: Are you a person that would say that you wouldn't have any regrets or would you be like, yeah, I do have regrets.
1: So cliche, but I just don't have any regrets. Mm. Um, of course, like, hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't it like you can look back on certain scenarios and wish that you had perhaps handled it differently or behaved differently but you can't know what you don't know yeah, you know so true. You were doing your best at that time with what you knew and even if your best wasn't good enough it was still your best and um, and I can live with that I can definitely live with that I I would be afraid to change a thing because I would hate to be anywhere else other than where I am
0: right yeah now. are you very content where you are now in your life would you say
1: I, I think I'd be content no matter where I was. It's mm. a mindset thing. It's 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 definitely a mindset thing. Like I, I'm in my parents' house. I don't have anything in particular sorted out. I don't have any flashy stuff. I'm not doing anything more than the average. It's just, I think um, over the last number of years, I've put a huge amount of work personally and um, academically into uh, cultivating A really resilient and positive mindset. And, and I think it's, it's in here, what matters, not outside. So I think it's, it's nothing to do with where I am. It's to do with mindset. Um, So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very content and happy and, and all of those things, but I think I would be anywhere. And I just (laughs) want to add to that while we, while we're on that. Yes. You know, like years ago when smoking was really trendy and cool and everyone was promoting smoking and Mm. exercise was not a commonplace thing. And somebody exercising was like a really strange person. It was like not what society (laughs) didn't go to the gym. I have a feeling that like the way that we nowadays train our bodies and that we know that we should eat healthy and train our bodies. I think the next generation or our kids, kids, they'll train their minds in a way that none of us do right now. I think they will be mind training in the same way that there's body training and they'll look back at us and be like, Oh my God, they didn't train their mind. Sure. All you have is your mind you live. And so I think we should all train our minds. I think yeah. having a trained mind, understanding emotion, having emotional regulation allows you to be happy, to have meaning, to feel Face failure to find fulfillment in all types of scenarios in a way that you can't when you don't train your mind. Mm. Um, I think that it'll be as commonplace as a gym in a in a couple of maybe next generation or the generation after that.
0: Well, yeah. The more you understand, like the more you read about, you know, mental health and the way your brain works, and like even I had Caroline foreign on the podcast, and just like even reading her book about just the science behind it, and the more you know, the more you can then cope in life and cope with whatever life throws at you like if you keep educating your mind and training your mind and yeah you're just ultimately going to be in a better place and better able to handle all the
1: the shout <laughs> yeah for sure but i just yeah i think it's so important and i think um if you can get that one you know if you can do the work to to get that one part of your of yourself really set a really strong a, Uh, Mindset that you know you can trust yourself, that you know you've generated that ability to take that beat when you feel an emotion rising, to not just be embodied by the emotion, but to take just that one second, just to observe it and then decide how you react. It's just the best skill I think any human being can give themselves, better than any degree, any passport full of stamps, anything. It's it's the it's the best gift we can give ourselves because no matter where we are, no matter what we have, no matter what we do all we're viewing the world through is our, is our mindset. And if that's not, if that's not where we do the work, nothing will be enough. Nothing will be good enough. Everything will end up being a failure everything will come with its relentless challenges. And yeah, it'll just be constantly trying to pivot to find comfort when, when comfort is not there, but your mindset can approach anything once it's trained. And once you have done that work. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Amazing, Danielle. Thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast today and bringing your lovely energy and experience and everything to it. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fail Harder. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, leave it a review and a rating and share it online or with your friends. These things are all really, really helpful in getting it out there. Thank you so much.